Exceeding Expectations, episode 72. Call centers and digital marketing, that's what we explore in today's episode with Adam Sinkus, who has his hands in both of those two different areas. We find out a lot more about how to be more effective with your digital marketing and also what it takes to make a, a good call center. He's involved in training call center operators and what does the what are the attributes a good call center person needs and where do people typically go wrong, etc. If you like today's episode, why not share it with someone who you feel may get, get some good value from it. And while you're on iTunes or whichever platform you use, it'd be great if you could leave a review for us. That really helps to get the, the word spread about the podcast and maybe subscribe to us at the same time. Hope you enjoy this week's episode with Adam Sinkus. Exceeding Expectations, my guest today, Adam Sinkus. How are you, Adam? I'm doing wonderful. And it's pretty warm, I guess, where you are. Uh, well, we're in our cool part of the year down here. It's yeah, it, it, we're, we'll probably see the seventies today. So, but uh, I, I would I wouldn't call that cool. <laughs> <laughs> where I am in London, that's pretty warm. Well, you know, for for Florida, we we hit nineties with about a thousand percent humidity. You know, most of the summer. So it's uh, this is our cool season. And so, for and you told me before you're from Michigan. So, how do you handle that kind of humidity? Uh, you stay inside and enjoy the air conditioning. Right. Okay. You know, it, it's it's different than than just hot, like you know, like Texas hot, uh, because mm. uh, you know you can't get away from it. it. Even in the shade, it's just hot. And how long have you been living in Florida? I've uh, been down here for about a year and a half, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's a different world than what I'm used to in Michigan. But uh, we make the best of it. We enjoy it. But soon enough, I'll get back to my snow in Michigan. So, right. And so, did did you come here from Michigan? You didn't. You weren't anywhere episode before. Nope. Florida. Straight from Michigan right. down to Florida uh, for opportunity for work and. Uh, so here we are. So, well, so talking about work, so what is it you do, Adam? My my nine to five is uh, is I work for a uh, company here in Southwest Florida. That's a six hundred seat call center. Uh, but uh, you know, like every entrepreneur, I'm hustling six or seven other things as well. Uh, so I also do leadership uh, and culture based training and consulting as well. Uh, and I am uh, just in the process of uh, working with my partner to really launch and grow a uh, digital marketing agency as well. So uh, lots of irons okay. in the fire and stay very busy. So which of those, which is it that you first got into or which one have you been in the longest? Uh, so the call center stuff, uh, I've been, uh, that's where I got started kind of in the business world was working in call centers, uh, you know, way back, God, it's probably been 12, 13 years now. I, I was a, on the phones, uh, helping people fix their iPhones over the phone support. And, uh, you know, it's kind of blown up from there. I've done everything from leadership to quality to training, uh, and, and anything else in between that you could possibly think could be done at a call center. So, uh, 
that that's where I've spent the most time, but now it's time to uh, replace all that with, uh, you know, my own opportunities and, and the things that I want to do. So how have, have call centers changed much over the last sort of decade or so? What, what, what way have they changed? Uh, what do you mean? I guess I'm... Well, just uh, because the, well, let's put it this way. So in, in England, about 10 years ago, there was a call centers that had a kind of bad reputation here because they typically seem to be in countries where people's command of English wasn't always that great. And so it was a frustrating experience. But that seems to happen less now. I just wonder if there's anything similar where you are. Uh, so companies have realized a lot that we have to bring call centers back, uh, back to the countries where the language is natively spoken. Uh, mm-hmm because of that customer experience. Um, so mm. I think it is changing. I don't think it's changed completely. Um, and, and the reality is, right, so, you know, I, I work in a site of 600 people, and uh, and we pay them, you know, 10 bucks an hour. So mm. it, it's we're, we're not paying people, you know, huge amounts of money, but we're expecting them to, you know, give a 1,000%. So it's... Uh, you know, it, it is a bit of a challenging space. I'd say, you know, my experience, the biggest uh, biggest challenges come from attrition and culture uh, within call centers, and that's that's across the board. I'm, I'm forward to make, um, to be successful doing that. I mean, as for the person who's actually answering the calls, what, what do they need? What, what qualities do they need? Uh, so I think the biggest one is patience, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's... It's a very monotonous job. You you pick up the phone, you answer the same five questions, input some information, and hang up the phone. And five seconds later, you're picking up the next call. You know, so it's a, it's a very monotonous job. So I'd say patience um, is a really big piece of it. And the most successful uh, call center agents I see um, also have just the, that natural, uh, like positive tone in their voice the, that positive uplook in life you know like uh those are the ones that that make it successful because they're they're you can tell they're there to to win for lack of a better way to put it and do people tend to stay long doing that job uh i wish they would stay longer it would make my job as a training manager uh a little uh less stressful but uh, mm-hmm. no, call center industry is huge, huge turnover. Um, you know, we, on average, I, I would say, you know, most call centers are at probably a 27 to 28% attrition rate, which is about three times most other industries. Mm. And so what is, from your point of view, uh, as training, and what is the most difficult aspect of what you do? Uh, so I think the most difficult aspect of, of what I do is really getting people to buy into, uh, they can make a long-term go at this, uh, if they just put in the effort and energy, right? Um, it is a $10 an hour job. It's a $15 an hour job, depending on where you're at, right? It, it, they, they tend to be lower, lower pay jobs, um, 
But at the end of the day, there's almost always opportunities to move up because the uh, because it is so volatile in uh, in attrition and and it's a volatile just in uh, in the structure of it. There's always things that are changing, and clients are always asking for more from us. You know, so it's like uh, I think if you can get people to realize that if they stick it out a little bit and, and work hard and show that effort, uh, they can move up. But, uh, a lot of them for, for low wages don't want to put that effort in because they're like, well, you're only paying me, you know? And, and, and that's a challenge. It's always been a challenge in call centers. And once they do, I mean, you said that there's a lot of chance for progression. So once they do get that progression, I, I'd imagine the wages will go up. Then. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wages do go up, uh, you know, but I, I think people that come into a lot of individual contributor roles or, or uh, line level jobs, right, um, fail to see that kind of global uh, perspective, right? So they, they, they have been trained, the blue collar worker has been trained to deal with what's in front of me. What is my job? I'm going to do my job and I'm going to go home. And, and mm-hmm. I think to be successful, uh, if you look at really, if you look at the most successful people, uh, they're not looking at what's in front of them. Very rarely are they looking at what's directly in front of them and leaving it at that. Uh, they look so far beyond what's actually happening in fr- happening in front of them and, and start asking questions to why can't I get to there? Why can't I have somebody do this? Why can't I move into this? Right. So I think the key uh, is just really getting that mindset shift of um, understanding the total business to know where you can go within that business and then setting a plan and a goal to do so. Uh, and, and I don't see a lot of individual contributors doing that because they're just head down, let's do the work and go home. So when, when someone first comes in, when you first start um, you know, training people, are you, is it, are you normally able to spot someone who does have that kind of attitude who you can see will, will go far? Is it easy to spot? Oh, it's incredibly easy to spot because they just, they come in with a, a different mindset, you know, to, uh, I do, uh, in, in almost all my training classes, uh, for new hires, I do this activity where I put, uh, put a group of words up there, uh, on the projector and, and, uh, you know, have them decide which word they feel best describes them. Uh, and, and one of those slides has, uh, happy, excited, tired, or nervous, right? And I can honestly tell you the people that jump to excited and happy, that's like a huge telltale sign that they're in it to win it. The people that go to tired and nervous, I mean, you're talking the first day of training we run this, uh, you know, so you get a lot of people that go to tired and nervous and I'm like, this is your job. Like you should be happy and excited. Like you have a job and, and you have an opportunity and, you know, and, and so it's just a really challenging space. And then you can see how they participate in training too. 
Um, usually by the end of the first day, I know who's going to be successful. I know who's going to be uh, difficult. Uh, and I know who is there uh, for maybe not the right reason as well. Because it sounds like subconsciously, anyone who's telling you they're tired in that situation, they're just saying subconsciously, well, I'm just here as a stopgap. This is a temporary job. Exactly. Uh, and are you? do you tend to... The call centers that you're involved in, are they just for sort of one company or a variety of companies, or how does that work? So a variety of companies. Um, I, I've worked in, in single client call centers. Uh, currently, I'm in one that supports, I think we support a total of like 50 or 60 clients. Um, so uh, it's, it's a big mix, uh, which brings its own challenges in place. But, uh, you know, I, it, being involved with the training piece of it, I just, I wait for the directions, right? I wait for them to tell me, we need this, this many people for this training class. And I go, okay, and pull out those materials. And, you know, I can be trained in something different every week. And, uh, and in a way, that's a good thing. It, it keeps it exciting, keeps it interesting. It uh, yeah, makes the makes the day go by. And what, what kind of industries would you be involved in? Uh, so currently, I'm involved in uh, insurance, uh, not on the sales end, but more on the support end. Uh, but in the past, I've been involved in the automotive verticals, healthcare verticals, uh, technical verticals as well. So. Um, seen a lot of different industries and a lot of different call centers and it's always interesting because you walk into a new, uh, into a new call center and they go we're different from other call centers and usually within about three or four hours i can tell you that they're not any different than any other call center they're all running into the same issues and have the same headaches and are trying to figure out the same problems and what typically would some of those things be? Yeah, so typically their uh, attrition is is almost always number one on the list. Uh, getting people to stay for low wages uh, and be engaged enough to stay longer than you know ninety to ninety to one hundred and eighty days is, is kind of the the target starting point. If you can get them past there, usually they'll stay for a year or two. Um, and then uh, the, the other ones is culture uh, at the individual contributor level. Uh, so at the agent level, just driving culture, and that stems a lot of times from, uh, I would say most commonly, it stems from the leadership that is uh, in place because they've been promoted as being the best agent in an area. And now they're they're like you perform well on the phones. We're going to make you a team leader or a supervisor, and then they just kind of throw them in and they give them training on the processes of a of a leader, but they don't give them any training on being a leader in itself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's really those those are the two big driving factors, the big driving concerns that I see in call centers. Um, and the last one is what we call a schedule adherence. Um, you know, and that, that's just getting people to, to kind of adhere back, you know, adhere to when they're supposed to be on the phones, they're on the phones when they're not supposed to be on the phones they're not supposed to be on the phones and just getting people to follow that schedule because 
it is kind of a step back for a lot of people. Uh, call centers, if you've never worked in, in them, uh, are very regimented in we know exactly how many people at any given time during the day that we need to have on the phone. And so all of our scheduling is done based on that. And so, like, if we tell you that, you know, if we, we outline that your break should be from 10.15 to 10.30, well, it's because we have the coverage between 10.15 to 10.30 to cover your break, right? So that's always a challenge for people because they, they don't quite, it, it's almost, you know, it's almost going back to, like, uh, grade school and, you know, and, and being micromanaged a little bit, and, and people just get frustrated with that. I imagine with the technology that's available now, you, you're able to see all the people that run um, the call center for the company. They're able to see so much data about each particular person working as a, a call operator that they can see how well or not so well they're doing quite easily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of technology out. Uh, you know, at any given time, we can look at dashboarding to see, you know, who's on the phone, who's not on the phone, what, you know, what state they're in, right? Are they actually available to take calls or are they in another state that they can't take calls? Uh, we have uh, monitoring to those schedules, you know, so we can see uh, are they following their schedule and we can, you know, pretty much see everything that they're doing real time. There's about a three to four second delay uh, from the time it hits the system uh, to the time we can see it. So we know what's going on at all times, and there's there's different teams that manage different pieces of that. Um, we can also listen to calls remotely. So, you know, I can be sitting at my desk and be listening to calls, live calls all over the call center, uh, you know, and hearing what's going on as well. Is it, were they mostly, like the sort of call centers that you're helping, would they mostly be support type or sales or mixture? Or? Uh, so it's been a mixture. Uh, I, I despise the sales end of things because I think uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the spray and pray uh, philosophy of call center sales is uh, outdated. Uh, but I've, I've worked in those environments as well, but mostly, uh, most of what I, I've spent time in is inbound call centers, uh, more on the support end of things. And, uh, you know, it, it's a little less stressful. Mm. But I guess the big difference then would be with a sales team, they just got a script they're working from, whereas support, uh, there's less of a script maybe. Uh, yes and no. So, uh, sales is very scripted and it's a numbers game, right? So, uh, most outbound call centers that are doing sales are expecting, uh, between, uh, uh, eight and 15% close rate. Um, you know, and they want you to make, you know, between a hundred and 150 calls a day. Um, uh, you know, so it's like, it's hammer down, uh, you know, put the, put the pedal to the floor and, and just, you know, make calls, right? So they want you to make all those calls because they know they're going to only close a small percent of it. Uh, where inbound, there's, there's still a lot of scripting that goes on in inbound call centers. Um, and, and it depends the nature and what you do. 
as well. You know, obviously, like technical support, a little less scripted because, well, you know, think about the thousands of things that could potentially go wrong with your iPhone, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where in the insurance end of things is a bit more scripted because uh, there's there's a clearer set of information that we need to receive, right? Nothing is ever perfectly scripted, but it's, uh, you know, it, it sets itself up as a good guide. Mm. I, I would just guess in here, I mean, I, I don't know, obviously, but when you, you're saying that for the sales calls, there's an 8 to 15% success rate, that must be pretty demoralizing. Is there far more attrition for people that are doing sales rather than support? Oh, yeah. Uh, tons of attrition in the sales end of things, uh, not only because it's demoralizing to the individuals that are doing it, uh, but these companies expect you know uh, expect you to meet that number, and and if you're not, they can find you know five or ten other people that yeah they'll put in the, they'll put their butt in that seat and and have them hit that number. You know it's it's just a it's a very aggressive. Uh, they they tend to be very aggressive call centers that yeah it they're just simply playing a numbers game in the sales end of things and like I said I think it's outdated I think you know I think relationship sales is is where it's at uh, mm-hmm. and everything I do in my own businesses is all about relationship sales and, and referrals and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And people are a lot more receptive when you've built that rapport with them as opposed to just, you know, making a whole bunch of phone calls at three to five seconds, you know, up to two or three minutes of here, uh, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. Let's buy my insurance product, buy my insurance product. Okay, great. You're not interested. Click next. You know, it it, it is that kind of crazy environment and and it's demeaning it's challenging it's uh, frustrating it's everything you can possibly imagine that that uh that sales can be on steroids you just mentioned about the relationship things that you're doing so what what kind of things are are you involved in you know the company that you mentioned yeah so uh i am uh launching my own consulting uh firm uh, I've been launching it for about the last six months, uh, and uh, we do leadership and culture consulting specifically. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned, all those challenges that that leaders that get promoted in call centers have—that's kind of the the thinking behind where I went with my consulting business—is knowing that this happens a lot in a lot broader perspective. Uh, also partnered up uh, with a wonderful guy, Josh Russo, uh, to, uh, to build out a digital marketing firm as well called Elevare Agency. Uh, Web pages, SEO, hosting, uh, you know, we, kinda, we take care of those, all those digital marketing needs, pay-per-click, Google AdWords, all that kind of stuff that helps your business get seen uh, you mm-hmm. know, when you go on Google. So when you're just out there searching for whatever you need. Hmm. And, and so um, from doing that, I guess you're getting more involved with, I mean, AI is getting bigger and bigger in, in that whole space. Uh, it, you- it is, but it's in, in the digital space, it's, it, 
it's kind of a misnomer. It's it's less about AI. It's more about understanding uh, how people are searching and how Google and Bing uh, are scraping that data, right? Understanding the algorithms that that get you there. Um, you know, automating things is, is great, but if you look at the best web pages out there, uh, they have tons of unique content that drives organic behavior, right? So, uh, we launched an article, um, it was, uh, the best roofing, six best roofing websites of 2017. Um, uh, and, you know, that was launched, he, well, Josh launched that a couple of years ago and that article still, even now does great. Why? Because it's got, uh, references to things that people are searching, right? Best of, top, you know, things like that people want to know about. Uh, you know, and, and so uh, it's it's less about automation, and it's in the digital space. It's more about creating unique, organic content that people want to read and people want to find uh, and enjoy. So. Mm. What would you say in the digital marketing space that you do? Where, how is AI m- most beneficial? Uh, AI is most beneficial, uh, I think, in, in really looking at behavior of how people use uh, use pages, you know, use web pages, right? So, you know, we use some software to look at uh, what we call it heat mapping. I can actually mm-hmm. see you know, how far people are scrolling down our pages. I can see, uh, you know, where they're clicking on those pages. And and we use all that data to uh, make educated decisions on where do we need to spend time and effort in making this page more effective, right? So it's a really, really cool tool that that gives us a a ton of information, Uh, and I think that's that's really one of the big ones. The other one is uh, you know learning how to run uh, pay per click uh, advertising campaigns, things like Facebook campaigns, and knowing uh, knowing how to set those up so that they do all the hard work for you, right? Mm-hmm. So segmenting, you know, setting it up so it segments the right group of people and things like that. But then. Once you get one of those uh, advertising campaigns on like Facebook set up right uh, and just let it run, they uh, they tend to perform really really well. Uh, you know, it's, it, AI is all about the inputs. That, that's I've believed that for a long time and, and proven it time and time again with different projects where I've instituted AI. I mean, talking about you, you're talking about the heat pages and the adwords and so on. With the companies you're working with, have they, have any of the companies been really surprised with the results they've got from using those types of things, which they maybe they weren't so familiar with or weren't didn't understand much about? Uh, yeah, no, we uh, we've got uh, a roofing client right now that we've seen like uh, almost four hundred percent gain in uh, in their click through rate since we uh, spent time with their page and. And rebuilt their page and have been adding the SEO uh, aspect into it as well. So, uh, you know, like I said, all those tools are tools that we use so that we can be smarter about how their pages are being used. uh, Mm -hmm. Just so that we can 
make sure that we're maximizing uh, how people are using the page. And really the big one is getting people to click and fill out that form that says, I'm interested in your service. Going on to the actual exceeding expectations element, we were talking before and you mentioned um, about a culture-based leadership program. It's amazing what happens when you build uh, build culture in an organization. I was working in a call center, um, and, and it had the typical leader bunch. You know, they promoted call, promoted agents that uh, knew how to perform well on the phones, but didn't know how to lead people. Um, so, one of my initiatives uh, in that site was to uh, really build out a program where we could teach these leaders how to actually lead their teams, not just, you know, uh, sort of speak, become the, the dictator from behind the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I built out a 12 month program. It was once a month, right? These are busy people. And I had to figure out how much time can I keep them in a room and, and teach them something without mm-hmm. taking, uh, you know, without taking too much time away from what they have to do every day, because at the end of the day, they got to run the business too. Um, and so um, we really sat down and and I did some interview panels with the leaders and, and really learned what they felt their challenges were. And I think that was that was a big piece. I think um, you know anytime you're working in a space where you're trying to solve a problem, uh, you know you have to stop and listen to the people that are experiencing the problem first uh, to know where you're going to go with it. Uh, from there, we built out. Uh, 12, uh, 12 different programs for them. They were about two hours long each. Uh, everything from having difficult conversations to tying your team's goals into the site's goals uh, to talking, uh, talking to your team on a positive note, uh, positive lang- how to use positive language successfully. Uh, how we did all kinds, of, all kinds of stuff with them. Uh, but really, you know, the goal here was to uh, increase the culture uh, on the site through effective use of the leaders or through the leaders uh, learning how to lead people. Uh, and, and what we found is from we started this uh, post the, you know, and it's something that, that I absolutely despise, but we have to measure everything, the annual culture survey. Uh, it was kind of the driver for this. So we, we, uh, we started this just after that annual culture survey results were posted out. Uh, and we saw in uh, categories for the following culture survey uh, at, at the following year, we saw gains uh, in areas like uh, my team leader cares about me. We saw about a 30% gain. Uh, in that, which was absolutely huge. Uh, and that was simply driven by convincing the team leaders that if you just go get up every single day from your desk and walk around and find each one of your people and say, Hey, good morning. How's your day going? Like anything like that, but making that touch point every day, like that in itself was just, you could see it as soon as I started doing that after about two weeks, you could see a shift in the mentality of people. Um, mm. and that was really our biggest gain. We saw, we also saw gains 
uh, in uh, categories around uh, understanding what the company, where the company is going, understanding how they fit into the company. Um, and we saw performance gains uh, as well in the uh, in our actual KPIs that we were reporting out to our clients uh, as a result of all this. And did that result? I mean, what were the results in terms of sort of less attrition and better better returns? Maybe. Uh, so we saw uh, our interaction times uh, reduce. We saw. Uh, our overall, just the overall behavior on the phones improved. So, uh, you know, people were happy, genuinely happier. So they were uh, a bit, you know, more polite, I sort of speak, or more patient on the phones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw, uh, again, we saw, you know, just our quality scores went up. I think that was a big one that, that we saw overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is something that's very important to most clients in a call center is that the, the quality scoring is, is meeting or exceeding a, a specific mark, um, which is usually around somewhere around 80 or 85 percent of, of all quality evaluations should be uh, at a 90 percent or above is, is kind of a typical standard. Um, and so, you know, we started, we started actually, you know, just really blowing those away. We were getting up into like 95, 96% uh, mm-hmm. of, of our quality evaluations were passing now. Um, we saw coaching become way more effective. We saw team leaders coaching uh, on topics one time instead of three and four times. Uh, mm-hmm. So we didn't have that same kind of repetitive behavior as well. When we had the conversation before the call started, you were telling me about an, uh, an experience where your expectations were exceeded, you know, with your daughter. Yeah, yeah. When my daughter was, uh, she was about nine months old. Uh, my daughter has uh, has a couple of special needs. She has seizures and uh, and very mild cerebral palsy. Uh, and I say very mild because most people, when they look at her, they you know they they can't even tell that there's an issue. Uh, but, uh, when she was little, little, we definitely spent a lot of time in and out of doctor's offices and appointments. And, uh, there was a time we were, we had spent all day, uh, at the hospital about six or seven different appointments and just exhausted from the day. So we decided to stop and, uh, and catch a meal on our way home and, uh, you know, like every nine-month-old, uh, they take the most opportune times to become fussy and uh, unagreeable to the situation. So, uh, you know, so we, we get to the restaurant, and uh, and she just doesn't want to cooperate, doesn't want to sit there. You know, of course, my wife and I were, like, taking her in and out of the restaurant, just trying to, like, carry her around, see if we can get her to calm down uh, to no avail. But... Uh, yeah, you know, so our server finally she comes over. She gets her order. She's taking care of everything, but uh, you know it really turned exceptional when our food came uh, because she took like five five or six minutes, uh, which felt at that moment like an eternity, and played with our daughter just enough to like distract her so that we could actually just sit there and eat. And, and mind you, like I remember she was running around she had five or six tables so she was busy uh and there's no reason that she had to 
stop and, and do that for us. But it's one of those things that's kind of like always stuck with me. Uh, and, and it's an, it's an example I use, um, sometimes when I'm in training, when I'm talking about, uh, exceptional customer service. Mm. And, and for, for someone working as a call center, how are they able to exceed the expectations of the people that are calling? What, what are the ways they can do that? Yeah. So the, the number one way, uh, in my mind is, uh, listening right so truly listening to what people are saying uh, I, I teach all the time that uh, we don't say things because we just want to talk we say things because we want to be heard and mm. and so if you can listen to those cues as a as a call center agent and really pick up on them uh, that provides you a, a really good opportunity to provide exceptional customer service. You know, I liken it to this, right? If somebody calls in, you know, we're in the insurance industry. Uh, somebody calls in because their window got broken uh, on their car by, a, by an errant baseball at a baseball game, uh, you know, at their kids' baseball game specifically, right? Um, mm-hmm. Simply asking the question like, oh, did little Jimmy win? You know, like mm-hmm. that goes such a long way with uh, mm-hmm. with a customer uh, because now they're they can see how engaged you are in their uh, yeah in their experience and, and what they're saying. Mm. And do the people who tend to get the best sort of ratings um, as far as that you know they're, they're from the customers are they is it just a natural thing or is it things that they are learning? Oh, combination. I think, you know, I think some of it, they, they come in with naturally. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, I always ask, I always ask, like, usually in the first couple of days of training, I always ask the question, you know, what's your definition of exceptional customer service? And you get, you get very, uh, a lot of varying answers on what exceptional customer service is. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there, there's a few words that, that, you know, people typically associate with exceptional customer service. Uh, and, and when you don't hear those words come out of somebody's mouth, um, mm. you know, that's, I, I can usually tell that they're going to struggle in the role. Mm. Um, so mm. it's, it's words like listening, thankful, uh, concise, appreciative, uh, uh, those are really the big ones. Uh, you know, if you think about, if you think about most of your interactions with, um, with things like the grocery store or, uh, you know, short, I'm talking short term customer interactions, right? You know, check out at the grocery store or ordering your fast food meal. Um, uh, people want quick, friendly, efficient service. Mm. Right. And, and so if you don't, I, if you can't identify really those things um, in, in what makes exceptional customer service, then it's going to be a challenge. Mm. What, what are your general thoughts about um, exceeding expectations? Adam? Uh, so I think, you know, exceeding expectations uh, is really in my mind twofold, right? So uh, one, it's about setting proper expectations uh in the beginning, right? So, 
um, you know, for me, uh, for my businesses, it's really about uh, understanding understanding needs um, and then setting realistic expectations. Uh, I've told customers, yeah, no, we're not going to make a four hundred percent gain on this. That's just not realistic, right? Um, and and that's okay. But if we can get to that four hundred percent gain, when I set it at you know uh, two hundred or 300% gain because I knew I could make that, that's mm-hmm. where it becomes exceptional customer service. And, it, and that's mm-hmm. where you start exceeding those expectations. It, it is really when it comes down to, did I set effective goals uh, in, in the first place? Because I think if we sell the pie in the sky, I can do anything, I can, I can you know, give you any result you're looking for, uh, the only, the only way you're going to, uh, even remotely win that is by meeting their expectations. You're never, ever going to exceed expectations in that, uh, in that arena. So if people want to find out more about you, Adam, where, where would they go to? Uh, so best place to find me is LinkedIn. Uh, I am on there every day. Send me direct messages. Connect with me. Follow me. Uh, hashtag Adam Bomb is uh, you'll, where you can find all of my post information on LinkedIn. Uh, is that Bomb as in B O M B? Yep. A- right. Yep. So A D A M B O M B. Like yeah. it's it, it's like Truth Bomb or Thought Bomb, but Adam right. Bomb. So. Okay. Uh, you can also uh, find me on Twitter at Adam Sinkus and uh, my uh, digital marketing company, uh, Elevera Agency. It's eleveraagency.com. E-L-E-V-A-R-E. Agency. Yeah, all one word. Do you have a, a quotation you particularly like, Adam? Um, gosh, there's so many quotations. I, I'm a quote junkie. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it really depends on the day, uh, you know, but uh, one of my favorites is, uh, is Steve Jobs, uh, you know, why hire smart people and then tell them what to do. Mm. Uh, you know, that's it, something that's always resonated with me uh, as, as being a leader and teaching leadership is we got to entrust and empower people to, to do best for us. Adam, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, and um, great, you know, best of luck for the future with all that you're doing. It sounds like there's a lot of things that you're doing, so yeah, best of luck with all of them. Oh, thank you so much. I definitely appreciate uh, you having me on. Thank you, Adam. Next week is episode 73 with Joel Ong, who's based in Singapore, and we find out a lot more about video, and specifically video marketing and YouTube, etc., and what can we learn from Bruce Lee in these areas? So that's next week's episode with Joel Ong. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Please do leave a review for us, share the podcast, subscribe, all those things, and hope you have a great week.